Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. The greatest power politically that anyone could experience pales in comparison to the power that you can experience through the Holy Spirit. You see, His presence will give you the wisdom that transcends anything this world can offer. Look, and, and I understand, when I, the minute I talk about Holy Spirit, Baptists are like, Whew. you know, we don't, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot in Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches. We think that the Holy Spirit churches are those that are doing outward signs of, of uh, you know, whether they, you know, all of those, uh, what they would call charismatic and full gospel things. And that's no judgment on that. That's the way that they want to express their faith. That's fine. But for Baptists, sometimes I think we're much more reserved. And we we don't really give the Holy Spirit the full weight that He deserves because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is part of what we call the Holy Trinity. And that means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That does not mean that they are three parts that come together to form one thing. They are all God, they are all individual, and they are all together. Don't ask me how to explain it, because I can't. That's just one of those things I take by faith. The best way that I can explain it, though, is that they are all God, but God created us, we rebelled, and we were banished from His presence. And so He sent Jesus into this world as a physical representation of Him, and we killed Him. And so now, when Jesus left, you remember what He said, I am sending you a greater power to be with you. So now the reason we can have church today, the reason God can hear your prayers and your prayers and my prayers, the reason He can hear those prayers is because of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I were trying to explain what the gospel is, uh, I would, I pray that a few of you, if you've been in our worship services, you would be able to give an accurate description. But the gospel is, for all intents and purposes, the highlights of Jesus. The gospel is another way of saying the good news. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if y'all find good news, you're wanting to tweet it, message it out, proclaim it, and tell everybody that you got good news. And we have got the greatest news. And this is the gospel message. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he died a substitutionary death on the cross, and he was resurrected and will return one day to reunite all those that believe in him with God. That is what the gospel message is. You say, well, preacher, that's a lot of words. If you take the story of Christmas and you take the story of Easter and you combine them together and say that Jesus Christ is coming back, you have got the gospel story. And I think anybody of any age can do that. So as we approach our text today, Paul is reminding the Corinthian church of the importance of putting the gospel message as the center of everything that we do. There has never been a more important time to fine-tune what the Bible says the gospel message is. And our responsibility in sharing that. You see, the message of the gospel of the scriptures does not need to be updated. It does not need to be changed. And it does not need to be woke. Do you hear me, church? 
The gospel is sufficient. And Paul is reminding a church that has lost their way that we need to get back to the main thing. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, I am more awake and alive than I have ever been. And you and I do not need a celebrity, a politician, or a theologian to tell us what the gospel should look like today. The gospel message is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul reminds us of that in our passages this morning. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We look at verses 1 through 5, and it's important to know that the gospel message is sufficient by itself. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Some translations say God's mystery. We'll talk more about that in verse 7. But for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ the one who was crucified. What would happen in churches today if all we were concerned about was Jesus Christ? If that is what we preached, if that is what we made central. Some people, if you, if all you do is preach on Jesus Christ and the need for Jesus Christ, there will be many people that will respond, but then there will be some people that say, well, you need to talk more about other things than that. What else is there other than Jesus Christ? The one who was crucified, he says. In verse 3, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I did so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I want you to see that Paul He is presenting the gospel to the church with great humility. Paul was a common man. He was a tradesman. Paul did not come to Corinth to be a celebrity or start a fan club. He came to give God glory and lead people to him. Paul entered Corinth and he met a Christian couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. And there's more about that in Acts 18 if you want to read about that. But you know what they did for a living? They were tent makers. You know what he did for a living? He did. He was a tent maker. Yes, Paul was bivocational. He would go to places. He would preach Jesus. He would teach. But if he needed money to eat or if he needed money to buy things, he could make a tent. He was a He was a common blue-collar worker. He needed a job that he could do anywhere his travels took him so he could make some money. So he was a tradesman. He was a common man, blue-collar man. But Paul was speaking as a witness, not a scholar. We know that Paul was a very smart man who had studied a lot earlier in his life, if you remember, before he became the Paul, the apostle that we knew, he was Saul, the great persecutor of Christians. He was the head of a religious sect called the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council, that were the very people that were trying to kill Jesus. Some people, some scholars believe that he was even present when the first martyr, Stephen, was stoned. Except he was on the other side of the team. He was playing for the other team back then. So he had, he, he had tasted power. He knew what it was to be respected. He knew that if he said something, 
people would do it. So now he's gone from that to making sense and preaching about Jesus, to which most people thought was foolishness. But Paul did not want the people hearing his message to be impressed with his big words and complex thoughts. He wanted to clearly communicate the gospel. He wanted to share the gospel. And here's a question for you and for me. Why would someone not share the gospel? Why would someone not share the gospel? And I'm sorry for my typo. But why would someone not share the gospel? I'll tell you why. Number one, fear. Don't want people to think that I'm one of those Jesus Bible thumpers. Or the second thing may be, you're just ignorant. And the ignorant is not a bad thing. Ignorant is just not knowing how to do it. Maybe you're just apathetic. Failing to see how it can benefit the person that you share it with. And enable them to grow in their faith. Or maybe it's just plain selfishness. You're too caught up, and I'm too caught up, in our own worlds, in our own time, and our own needs to even care to share the gospel with somebody else. And again, remember what I said the gospel is. The Christmas story, the Easter story, and the return story. So if you know a little bit about Christmas, a little bit about Easter, and a little bit about Revelation, you have got the gospel story. There is even a a child in here could do that. I bet you the children in children's church could probably kill that. But, unfortunately, some people think when it comes to sharing the gospel, well, preacher, that's what we pay you for. And and I, I uh, I am not saying this as a... A cop out. There is no attitude in that, but not just this church, but any church. Many people say, well, that's what we pay the preacher for. That's what the deacons are for. That's what my Bible study teacher is for. I looked in the Great Commission, and there is no prerequisite that said the gospel is only for pastors to share. Every believer is to go and make disciples and to share the gospel message. But I love this. Paul did not do this in his own power. Paul depended on the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul assures you and I that the Holy Spirit is a power that will be within us. That every believer, if you ever prayed to receive Jesus Christ into your life, you received the Holy Spirit into your life. You know, that that presence in your life that all of a sudden the things that you used to do are not bringing you as much joy. The thing, the friends that you used to run with, you now realize are dragging you down rather than building you up. Those things that all of a sudden you're thinking about things you wouldn't have thought about before you met Christ. For some of you, it is an automatic change. Boom. It, you got saved and everything was perfect after that. But for most of us, we're still trying to figure it out. But that's the Holy Spirit in our lives. If, if you've ever, if you ever come to me and you ask me, well, preacher, I just want to know if I'm really saved. I will ask you a simple question. Do you have the Holy Spirit power in your life? doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you've got it all together. But if you have the Holy Spirit power in your life, you realize when you pick up God's Word and you read it and you understand it, that's not because you're smart. That's because the Holy Spirit is 
empowering you to understand this because look, I've been in classes, I've been in lecture halls where there are men and women that know this better than I do and they know how it is grammatically written out and how it's structured and the history behind it, but there is no faith in their teaching. It is taught like a recipe book, a science book. But if you have the Holy Spirit power in your life, that is a power you have. And many of us plug into it. Some of us are plugging into it. We don't realize it. You know, you, it's kind of like you look at where you are and you think, I don't know how I got through all of that to get to where I'm at right now. I'll tell you what it was, the Holy Spirit. One step at a time. And Paul Depended on the Holy Spirit. So when you read the Bible and understand the passage, that is the Holy Spirit. When you pray and enter into the presence of God, that is the Holy Spirit. When God uses His Word and other people to guide you in the way to live your life, that is the Holy Spirit. And when you run from God and He doesn't let you go, my friend, that is the Holy Spirit. Paul depended on the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not an experience or an ability that gave him ministry and power. It was the work of the Spirit of God. And by the way, his preaching was a demonstration of what God was doing, not a performance of what he could do. So what does that mean for you and I? We need to stop seeking, comparing, and rating preachers for how they deliver their messages and focus on the message itself. Look, I am just as guilty as anybody else of comparing our church and my ministry and my preaching to somebody else. Look, it's an easy trap to fall in. But there there are people that, that are much more polished than me. I'm more polished than some others. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is there are so many people that are more enamored with the person preaching the message than the message itself. And there are some people preaching the message that are more enamored with themselves. Than the message. That was not what Paul was doing. Listen to what Paul says here again in verse 5. He said, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Look, I am grateful that someone may say, Preacher, we enjoy, we're a member of this church because we enjoy your preaching and other things. And look, I, I love it when people say, hey, preacher, that was a good sermon. Look, I'm not going to lie. It's, it strokes my ego. And I'm not asking for you to do it today after the service. But that's all right. There's probably somebody thinking, I wish you'd go ahead and be quiet because i got a roast I need to get out in 30 minutes. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that I don't want you to be dependent on how I deliver a message. I don't want you to be dependent on pews and organs and pianos, or I don't want you to be dependent upon skinny jeans and flannel shirts and smoke and lights. I want the message that there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with this. Everybody's got their own preferences, I guess you could say, but the message better be the same. What do you think the Apostle Paul thinks about people that are preaching other than the message. Paul did not depend on a certain type of delivery in his message. He did not try to use parlor tricks or manipulation to move people to make a decision. He simply preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and depended on the power of that message to change hearts. Over the years, there have been many preachers that have tried to use smoke, lights, tricks, 
motorcycles on the stage, every kind of trick in the book to gain someone's attention to take their service to the next level. This is not a judgment, but this is just an observation. And you realize that that is what draws people in to what are they going to do next? That's all they're worried about. That's what they're coming to see. A few years ago, every preacher on Facebook and social media would say, be at church this Sunday. We're going next level. This Sunday is going to be next level. And then, are you still going next level five years later? Look, those things are cool, and, and I've been guilty of doing those things, and I think some of those things, we call them illustrations or messages, but when our illustrations get more attention than the message of the gospel, that's where we have a problem. And there are times in my life, whether it be as a youth pastor or now, where I've had to repent from depending on tricks or manipulation. I used to think as a youth pastor many years ago, oh boy, if you play this one song and put kids around the fire and then throw a stick in it, woo, we're going to have a cry time on Thursday night. Y'all remember cry times? Boy, I tell you what, those, those decisions lasted about as long as the tears were wet. But, all joking aside... I'm convinced now, more than ever, that it is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to the hearts of His people through the preaching of His Word, regardless of age, denominational background, or speaking ability. Changing lives is not a preacher thing. I can't preach you into heaven. I can't preach you to the altar. But the Holy Spirit can draw you. To that, Because the power of preaching is found in the Holy Spirit. The message of the gospel, is, or the message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of preaching is found in the Holy Spirit. The message of the gospel, or the message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's move on. The, the gospel is a crucial part of God's plan. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse... Chapter 2, see, I'm just kind of flubbing it up this morning. Maybe the the scripture will be better than me. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9 says, Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. This is a great thing because Paul has just said here, Look, when, when I need to talk about deeper things... I will talk about them with those people. He knows his audience. I know that the audience on Sunday morning is not quite the same makeup as those on Wednesday night. If I have a small small group and I'm teaching or I'm sitting across a lunch table talking with somebody, I won't necessarily use the same tactics and the same approach because I know everybody is at different spiritual levels. But he's saying here, look, when I am with mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. I mean, pretty much he's saying, look, when I get together with people, I'm not talking about what I saw on Fox News. I'm not talking about what I saw on CNN. I'm not talking about the latest Twitter feed or the latest hashtag or what Facebook is saying. I'm not talking about those things. I'm not talking about the political candidates. I'm not talking about all of these things. We're we're just talking about life and we're talking about how the gospel applies to all of that. But Paul really, he gives us a litmus test here. You remember the litmus paper when you were back in middle school science? And I, I've forgot more than I remember, 
But I do remember that it, you take the litmus test and you, is it an acid you, you, you squirt on it? Come on, Molly, you're the scientist. Which one is it? No. Anyway, there's something you squirt on. And if it changes color, that means that, that that result is positive. Kind of like a COVID test, pregnancy test, those kind of things. Okay. And so the litmus test here is that whether mature Christians growing in your faith is a sure sign of maturity when you're seeking answers and wisdom in God's Word. Look, if you are struggling with something and I want you to come and talk with me, I will gladly listen. I'm a great listener. And you'll be surprised how much I don't know. By that, I mean, I'm saying when someone asks me, do you know about so-and-so, even though if I know it, I don't know it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what they're talking about. But I love listening. I love walking alongside with people. But if you sit down with me, I'm not going to tell you about all my great uh, theological insights. I'm going to say, you know what? Let's look at God's Word here and see what it says. What are you struggling with? you struggling with depression? Let's go back here in the back of the Bible and look up depression and see what verses talk about that. Are you struggling with substance abuse? Are you struggling with self-identity? Let's look back here at some scriptures and point to scriptures because this is what's going to change people's lives. And look, I am grateful that, that we have you here, that you're listening, whether you be listening by way of video on Facebook or you are here today. I am grateful to have people to preach to. Okay, I mean, it's kind of hard to be like back in COVID when I'm preaching to a camera. That was tough. Yeah, COVID was tough years, but it was tough on everybody. I know. But the thing is, is that. If all you're getting spiritually is what I'm giving you on a Sunday morning and those who are extra Extra special on Wednesday night, you get two double doses. If that's all you're getting in the week, my friends, I implore you as a child of God to find a way to start seeking it on your own. Because it's it's almost like how a mama bird feeds baby birds. I, again, I don't know why I'm all about science today and, and all this stuff, but I mean, for lack of a better term, the mother goes and finds the worms or the food or whatever, she eats it, her stomach processes it, and then she produces it for the babies to eat. So the babies are eating the production of the mother after she has already uh, digested it. My friends, I love you to death. and I, I would like to think that I'm smart, but I know I'm not. But I'm smart enough to know that, that when I'm preaching... It is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. There are people that say, you remember when you said this? And I'll say absolutely not because there are a lot of things that I say that are not in my notes. That is the Holy Spirit. He gets all the credit for that. But I'm telling you what, if all you get is, is my message or you, you listen to your podcast to get your favorite, your favorite preacher on there and you listen to that, look, that is great. But you are getting what we have processed with our spirit. Think of what you are missing. There is a time in every believer's life where they have to take <clears throat> and be fed like a baby. They do not have the ability to process these higher things of Scripture yet. They are, are still getting there. 
And it's hard for them to apply things. But, however, there comes a time in every believer's life they must not depend on a preacher or teacher to feed them, but dig for biblical truth that will nourish their soul. It is beautiful and cute to see a mother feeding her baby naturally. It is not cute when that baby is 10 to 12 years old. You hear me? So as Christians, if if all you're wanting to do is to be fed and you're depending on a, a personality or a preaching type, I encourage you, and if you don't know how to do that, contact me, contact your Bible study teacher, contact somebody you know, and we will teach you how to begin feeding yourself spiritually. If I'll tell you the greatest thing right now. Just start in the Gospel of John. Just read until you get tired. Make a few notes and watch what God does in your life. Watch it. Because if any leader just preaches but never teaches how to find biblical truth for yourself, I'm not making disciples, I'm making dependents. I want it to be where no matter what church you go to, if they preach the gospel, you're going to hear there what you hear here. And if you don't, run. And if I say something here some Sunday, and you say, well, preaching my Bible, it doesn't say that, challenge me on it. Bring it on. Because I, I could be fallible too. The type of ministry, or excuse me, mystery in verse 9, I mean, excuse me, 7. No, the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, though he, he made it for our ultimate glory, before the world began. The type of mystery Paul is addressing here is not something to be solved. I remember back in the day there was a cartoon called Scooby-Doo and Friends, right? And they drove around in this van called the Mystery Machine. And they would go and they would solve crimes and they would always get back to the very end and they would say, they would catch the guy and they would say, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Every week. We figure it out. You're watching and thinking, who's the bad guy? Who's the one wearing the mask? That's not the kind of mystery we're talking about here. The kind of mystery we're talking about here, that it, it was hidden to the people of that day that what we take for granted now. They did not know God's plan was for Jesus Christ to come into this world, to die for our sins, and to rise again so that we could become Christians. They did not know this. And so Paul is revealing God's plan to those people. And we take it for granted, but anybody who reads this passage, it is being revealed to them. Verse 8 says, But the rulers of this world have not understood it. And if they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That's what the Scripture means when it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love them. You see, Satan thought that Calvary was God's greatest defeat. But it turned out to be Satan's greatest defeat. The third thing is, is you can know God through the Holy Spirit in the Bible. You can know God. That seems like a very simple statement, but it is also complex. Check it out. Verse 10. But, or some translations say for, but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. Folks, can you really comprehend 
what this verse is saying? God will reveal to you as a believer His biblical wisdom to use in your daily life right now in this moment. If you have needs, go to His Word and He will share it with you. If you don't know where to look, Google passages on what you're you're struggling with. Look at the back of your Bible. Talk to your friends and ask them to show you not their book of opinions, not their Facebook posts, but ask your friends who are spiritual to show you in God's Word what they have learned. It says, For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Again, God's deep secrets refers to God's unfathomable nature and His wonderful plan. This knowledge, however, cannot be grasped by the wisest people unless they accept God's message. I remember years ago, I think it was supposedly Stephen Hawking's, the, the, the brilliant the brilliant, uh, I forget what his IQ was, but you know, most of you know who he was. But he was a brilliant man. Everybody looked at him as probably the smartest man in the world. He, he made a case for faith and later recanted that. There's other, I mean, you've, you've heard guys like Neil deGrasse Tyson and other people in the science field that would say that all of this is a bunch of googly junk. That we can only, that we can only trust science. But folks, science is nothing, nothing but theories. That had even been proven or failed. It's an act of faith. And look, I'm not throwing shade on the science community. We are very blessed by the science community. We have people that are using science. And God is using them through science to make drugs that heal us. To get us technology that we never had before. To, to get God's word on the internet to where everybody can read it. You see what I'm saying? It's not, this is not railing against science, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there are people that think that they are smarter because they have a PhD behind their name rather than knowing that even some of our younger children here today can read this and be wise because they have read what's in this passage. Some of you parents are terrified about what's going to happen when they become teenagers and they don't need you anymore. It may come to that. You say, oh, not my child. Okay. I have they already started saying, look, don't drop me off at the door. Drop me off down the corner and I'll walk up. It, it kills a parent to, to hear that. But don't we do that with God sometimes? Hey, God, I got this. I'll, I'll talk to you later. I'll see you next Sunday. But the truth of the matter is, It says in verse 13, when we tell these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak the words given to the Spirit, using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual truth. My friends, where I was going with that illustration about the children, you're not going to be there everywhere all the time with them. But I know already we have got children in our ministry here that can name the books of the Bible. That can probably teach Bible stories to us better than we could. That's the kind of stuff that when you're not with them, will stay with them. Because it's not your opinion. It's not what your mama and your daddy told you that you told them. It is God's word working in their young hearts. It may not keep them out of all the trouble. 
but it sure will give them wisdom when they are getting in situations that they don't know how to handle. Verse 14 says, But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Let me ask you something. Why do we expect people who are not spiritually minded to understand spiritual things? If you are struggling in your spirit, and you are struggling with things with God, why do you talk to people that are not Christians? I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to people that are not Christians, but when you're looking for advice, do you want to be like Job's friends who gave him, all three of them gave him bad advice? And it wasn't their fault, they just... They're thinking on a different track. If I have a problem with my truck, I am not going to take it to a doctor. I mean, a doctor might be able to fix me, but he may not be able to fix my transmission or whatever's going on. Why do we put more weight into the opinion of our non-spiritually minded friends than God and his word? If your greatest thought, as I heard on Oprah the other day, well, she's not even on now. If I, if I heard Dr. Phil say the other day, th- there's a problem, right? It would stand to reason that we should not go to our non-spiritual friends in search of spiritual truth, right? If anything, when we find spiritual truth, we should go to them and share it with them. You realize right now, and I'm about to blow your mind, probably not, but do you realize what you're struggling now with? may just be for the very reason God's going to use you in somebody else's life. Have you ever thought right now that the homework you're doing and your hard walk is going to be used for someone else? I tell people all the time, and I may have told you a million times, so just nod your head if you've heard it before. But I think about my life, and I think about all the things that I've gone through. And at the time, they hurt, and they hurt hard. But you know what? I know now that I've got this big workbench. I always, I always, I always visioned my dad's old workbench. He had the corrugated board with the old hooks that hung out, and you had a hammer hanging here, and and all these different things. You know what I'm talking about? But I know that now, when I'm dealing with somebody, I say, "Oh, you know, you know what? I'm gonna go over here. This I used this last time, and this is what God taught me. Oh, you're dealing with that? Yeah. L- let me show you this this right here." And all of those tools are coming right out of God's Word. So it may very well mean, yes, you have pain. Yes, you have trials. Yes, you have tribulations. But by seeking God's Word, you are learning the lessons that will not only help you, but help people in the future. I tell use this illustration all the time. I officiated a lot of funerals. Some of you, for your family members, even in this room. And I did, to the best of my ability as a pastor, what I could do to be able to officiate that funeral and walk with you through that. And it was a it was a beautiful thing. And hopefully we looked at God's Word and hopefully we were able to comfort one another. But I will tell you what, after my parents died, I felt it. Like a jackhammer. Even today, when I walk in to the hospital that my mother was in, hair on my neck stands up. When I walk through the halls of the hospice, Where my mother passed away, the hair stands up. When I go to a cemetery and do a graveside service, I'm thinking about mom. 
And I'm thinking about that. And I'm not saying all of this to say, oh, poor preacher, or, or that's not why I'm saying it. But what I'm saying is, is when I'm with those families, I can say, this is how I dealt with it. This is what God's Word told me. This is how I dealt with it. And there's other things that I've been through. There's things that you've been through. There are things that you have been through that have helped me. And it's not as much your, your great way that you share it, but it's what God taught you. The message of the gospel. What the Holy Spirit showed you is now the Holy Spirit is using in other people. But those that do not know God do not have that workbench. All of their tools are sitting in a pile in the floor. And they don't know how to use them. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Those who do not understand spiritual truth should place themselves in a position to share with those who are not spiritual. For those, not for their approval, but to help them. Because no one can ever be God. You know that, right? There's only one God. You're not Him. Neither am I. No one can ever be God, but you can know Him better. Check out verse 15. We've only got two more verses. Those who are spiritual can elevate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. I love that in the King James Version. King James says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that He may instruct Him, but have the mind of Christ. There was a big study that was on the tail end of experiencing God called the mind of Christ. And I've always remember it telling you that where the scripture says to fix your mind on the things of above, on, on heaven. Fixes, you have to flip the switch. And there are times where when life is beating on you and life is beating on me, instead of just letting it boil us over like a wave in the ocean, we have to fix Flip the switch in our mind and say, no, I'm not going to entertain that. I'm not going to give that energy. I'm going to give it to God and let His energy handle it. To have the mind of Christ and and not to be cheesy, but this is a good way to say, when you're in a situation, what would Jesus do? Boy, that's an old catchphrase, right? But it's the truth. What would You want to know what Jesus would do? It's right here, folks. And the Holy Spirit can lead you to it. I know it seems cliche, but there is great power found in the person who can apply what they learn in their private walk with God and use it in their daily walk with others. Think of what it means for a father who spends time in God's Word. What it means for a mother, for husbands, for wives, for children, for co-workers, etc. We see people that are in God's Word and it changes, it changes lives. Look at what's happening in Kentucky at Asbury. I mean, they have had multiple weeks of revival of college students in God's Word, worshiping. Most of the great revivals that have happened have resulted from youth and college revivals. Maybe God is sending revival to us. I pray that he is. Maybe one day it will hit Homeland Park. But as we wrap up our time today, if you would allow me to geek out for just a minute, I've been hearing a lot about artificial intelligence in the news. You heard anything about this? 
there are programs that anyone can access and go test it out. If you ask it a question or if you want it to show you certain information, even if you want it to write a song, it will do it for you. Maybe I should go in there and say, hey, write me a sermon. But the crazy, the, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the crazy thing is there are reports that when these artificial AIs, one of them is like chat GPT. Some of you have heard of that or Bing has this new feature. It's a search engine. I'm sure Google's got their own version of that. It's really in its infancy stage yet, but basically it is artificial intelligence. But here's the thing. When people are testing these out and asking it questions, the answer that it is giving them are skewed politically. They are skewed uh, culturally. They are not necessarily biblical wisdom. It is what, what you would expect the message of culture is. And then I thought, why in the world is that with this artificial intelligence? I mean, it's crazy. As, as, um, as great as artificial intelligence is, there are instances of it inciting violence. And as great as it is, it's only as good as the programmer who programmed it. So though it's artificial intelligence, it's being programmed. So hear me. Maybe your grandma used to say this. Garbage in, garbage out. My friend, whatever you dwell on in your mind, that is what you will become. Whatever you dwell on in your mind, that is what you will become. And if you want to plug into the true power of God in your life, it begins with a decision to follow Christ, with a commitment to pursue Him through His Word. And then as you learn these things, Live it out in your daily life, not in your own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we learn from Paul today. Holy Spirit wisdom. Holy Spirit power. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for our scripture time today. I thank you, Lord, that even as I have spoken and mumbled and, and fumbled and all of these things through these words, Lord, that it is your word that has been proclaimed. Now, Lord, if there is anything that was said that is of any value, it is because your Spirit makes it so out of your Scripture. And so, Lord, as we have preached and we sang and we've, we've done all that we can, Lord, to honor the reading of your Word, maybe there's somebody's life in here that was touched. Maybe there is someone here today that does not know for sure if they have the Holy Spirit in their life. And they want to make sure today that they have that Holy Spirit power. Maybe they're not understanding the Bible when they read it. Maybe they feel like their prayers are not even reaching the ceiling. Maybe they're just stuck. They can make a commitment today, either for the first time or the next time, to follow you, Lord. Maybe there's someone here who just wants to come to the altar and pray. Maybe someone wants to join this church and be baptized, Lord. Your Holy Spirit can do what it wants to do. So we'll just let you do it, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?